0: Well, good Sunday evening. Uh, it's a beautiful Sunday here in Northern Colorado. Been a great day. And I trust that God has been good to you today as he has been to, uh, to me. I thank the Lord for uh, the service this morning. What a joy it was to see God's house full and uh, to see people responding. I have reports tonight of, um, that I know of, at least two that trusted Christ as their savior today. And I'm so thankful for that, always, always thankful to hear of people trusting Christ. And I know that the Lord did a work in your heart. If, if you let him, if you came expecting to hear from heaven today, then you heard from heaven. That's something that we should always come to a time like this, ready to hear what the Lord says to each of us. And so I trust that uh, you'll ask the Lord to speak to your heart this evening. I want to say very quickly that we have several things that are coming up. Uh, Don't forget the announcements that we made today um, about all of our Serve 6-8 and and Toy Drive. So make sure that you uh, participate in that. If you have any questions about that, you can call the church office. You can uh, sign up for some things on our church app. And uh, there are many opportunities to serve. Again, I wanna say thank you to everyone who came out and helped to decorate our buildings for Christmas. They're beautiful. And I wanna thank you for all the time and energy. I think we had somewhere 40 or 50 people yesterday who came in and, and many hands make light work. And I really appreciate uh, all those of you that came and helped. Hey, take just a moment right now and uh, let let uh, others know that you're here. I um, Make sure that you share or like if you're on a platform that allow you to do that. And then find in your Bible tonight uh, the book of Isaiah and Isaiah chapter nine. I'm going to take the next several Sunday nights, and we're going to look at uh, a very, very important passage of Scripture. It's a very famous passage of Scripture, and sometimes when we come to these types of scriptures, we uh, we we kind of overlook them. We we yawn sometimes because we we think we've heard it but I want you to come back to this and I want you to uh, relive this, meditate on this and go back in your heart and really, really contemplate uh, what, what God is told us here in this prophecy of Christ. Isaiah is a miniature Bible, uh, 66 chapters, like there are 66 books, the first 39 chapters, have much to do with Israel and the promises and the covenants and prophecies in relation to Israel as a nation and, and some uh, wonderful things uh, given to them by prophecy. In chapter seven, we see a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Um, in chapter nine, what we're gonna look at tonight, uh, we're gonna see that uh, unto us uh, a, a child is given, unto us a son is born. and. His name shall be called Wonderful. We're going to see some things about that tonight. But then the last 27 chapters, which starts at chapter 40, begin with the prophecy of John the Baptist, preparing the way of the Lord. And this is a wonderful, wonderful book. There was an old commercial years ago for, uh, for cornflakes. And uh, the commercial showed the old box of cornflakes, that white cereal box with the old farmhouse, the little red rooster on there. And it showed an older person pouring those cornflakes into a bowl. And uh, it said something to the effect of, uh, come back and try cornflakes again for the first time. And I, I think that's what, uh, that's what we want to do with this passive scripture. I, I don't ever tire of this. I want us to go back and see uh, what it means. to to understand this miracle of Christmas as we come into this season. I don't have any record on what the early church did with Christmas, uh, how they recognized the birth of Christ. We know that Jesus left us an ordinance in the church, the the Lord's Supper, to commemorate his death. Uh, We don't know that the early church celebrated his birth, but I don't believe it's wrong that we celebrate his birth by any means. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing I don't expect the world to understand the meaning of Christmas. I don't expect the world to to grasp its wonder. But I certainly believe that God's people should grasp its wonder. And I believe that we, as God's people, should never forget what God has given us in this season. Uh, For the last, I don't know, several decades, there's been a war on Christmas and these holiday wars, and we know the whole the whole thing that there was a culture war over saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And sometimes Christians fell into the trap of saying Merry Christmas and we did it in a way to prove a point. Um, and and we got to remember that we're living in a world that doesn't understand uh, Christ. They don't understand the true nature of Christmas. In fact, much of the world, you know, a lot of these woke corporations tonight, they celebrate anything and everything. And they don't mind borrowing the birth of Jesus Christ to meet their budget's uh, bottom lines and to, and to uh, maintain a black side of the ledger, Black Friday and so forth. And they don't mind the, the, uh, the commercialization of this season. They don't, they don't mind borrowing the baby Jesus for their bottom line. And that same crowd that will celebrate Christmas will a week later at New Year's be out at their parties doing God only knows what to celebrate and ring in a new year. And so I don't don't fault the world for being the world and for misunderstanding or misappropriating this season of Christmas, but I don't think Christians ought to do it. And so I want us to go back and look at this because Christmas is by 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 far uh my favorite holiday as far as holidays go um it 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 just is a wonderful time of the year and i just marvel at the fact that god came in the flesh Uh, many years ago when man first went to the moon the president of the united states said this and i quote he said the planting of human feet on the moon is the greatest event in human history. And I will tell you, that is an amazing event. But with all due respect to those who worked in the Apollo programs and put their feet on the the lunar dust, I will say this, the greatest event in human history was not man planting his feet on the moon, but God in human feet, planting his feet on this earth. And that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And the Bible tells us about it here in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. He says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. Uh, Not only did he come the first time as a child, but he's coming back as the great King and what a joy it is. And the Bible says his name is wonderful. Wonderful. That word wonderful means incomprehensible. It's, full of wonder, I can't comprehend it. It's something extraordinary. It's something that is a mystery. That's the name wonder, it has a mystery in it. And certainly he does have a great mystery in it. In fact, in Judges chapter 13 and verse number 18, uh, a wonderful passage of scripture where uh, the Lord Jesus was being asked his name. Remember that? Uh, I believe that was a theophany, a appearing of Christ or a Christophany. And uh, he answered, With this in Judges 13, 18, Why askest thou my name, seeing it is secret? Why do you ask my name, seeing it is secret? There's just something mysterious and wonderful and incomprehensible about the name of Jesus. It is a name that God has exalted above all names. It is the name of Jesus, and he is wonderful. Why is he wonderful? Let's look at a few things tonight. Number one, I believe he is wonderful in how he came to earth. Notice what the Bible says in verse number, nine, uh, verse number six For unto us a child is born. He's wonderful in how he came to earth. Uh, I think about him coming as a child. Unto us a child is born. Uh, unto us a child is born. Is there anything more helpless than a child? A child born on a journey far from home. A little child born in a borrowed manger in a sheep cave. Born to a young virgin mother and a young carpenter. No wealth, no fame, no prestige, no place on the world stage. Just a baby, just a young man, just a young woman And it was a wonderful birth. All of a sudden into human history came the most ordinary thing, the birth of a baby, the birth of a baby. A man was visiting the birthplace of Abraham Lincoln one day and and this is years and years ago and he was going around this little town and he asked a farmer, he said, hey, any famous people born here? And the farmer said, "Nope, just babies, (laughs) just babies. Uh, This was just another ordinary, it seemed, baby born into the world. But I want to tell you, the virgin-born child was the Almighty God in that little flesh of a baby. I realize that people mock the virgin birth. Hey, how could that be? How could he be born of a virgin? They think that we're telling wild-eyed fables and tales. But I want to tell you, exactly what the angel told Mary when he told Mary that she would be with child. And she said, how shall that be? I'm not knowing a man. And the angel answered and said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, do you believe that? I do. I do. If you have a problem with the virgin birth, you have a problem with, with God. Uh, In fact, I would go a step further. If, if you, if you, uh, if you doubt the virgin birth, uh, the very essence of the virgin birth is is cr- critical to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our redemption. And if you have a problem with the virgin birth, then you have a character problem. You say, "What do you mean?" Well, first of all, you have a problem with the character of the Word of God. Uh, the Bible plainly teaches the virgin birth, and so if you have, if you have a problem with it, then you have a problem with the Bible being the word of God, and you have a problem with the character of Mary. You're saying perhaps Mary was a defiled girl, a girl that was impure. or Perhaps you have a problem with the character of Jesus. See, for if he was not virgin born, then he was the son of Joseph or the son of a man, which was the son of Adam, and therefore he was a sinner. And as a sinner, he would have been condemned under the condemnation of sin and could not be the redeemer and the savior and so uh, the virgin birth is essential to the gospel and i believe it with all of my heart now, i don't think it's an incredible thing for god to have a son without a father and just using an earthly mother any more difficult than it was to believe that god made the first man without a father or a mother and so i believe that he was wonderful in how he came he was a little child He was virgin born, which means a sinless life. No virgin birth, no sinless life. No sinless life, no sacrificial death. No sacrificial death, no salvation. Without the virgin birth, I'm doomed and you're doomed to hell forever. You think about that. All of that was essential in how he came. He was wonderful in how he came to earth. In a little child, he came as a child. He came born of a virgin so that you and I could be born of God. What a wonderful thing. No wonder his name is wonderful. Number two, he is wonderful, not only in how he came, but because in who he is. Notice it says in verse number six, for unto us a child is born. Now watch this. And unto us a son is given. Not only was he a child born, but he was a son given. Now this child is not just another child. Now, he was just another child born into the world, born into this world of humble means, and yet he was not just another child. He was a son that was given. Before he was a child that was born, he was a son to be given. Do you understand that? He was not just a child born. He was a son given. And given means that he belonged to someone else. If he was given, it means that he was owned or begotten or had or possessed by someone else. And who was that? He was co-eternal and co-equal with his father. He was with the father in eternity past. The first gift of Christmas was the gift of deity wrapped in humanity. God gave us his son. Jesus is God in human flesh. Here he was, way before he was our Jesus, he was God's Christ. And to us, he was a child born, but to God, he was a son given. Do you see it? To us, he was a child born, but to God, he was a son given. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. And here was God, here was the, the word in eternal essence with God, a a word in John chapter one. What is a word? A word is an expression of an invisible thought. The words that I'm speaking tonight to you right now are, are something that is manifesting, making known to you what I'm thinking in my mind. And when John wrote those words, John was a Jew. John had seen Jesus in every situation. John, as a Jew, would have had a ingrained resistance to idolatry. Worship only belonged to God, and yet John worships Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. Because Jesus is God. Everything that God is, Jesus is. Everything that God has, Jesus has. Everything that God does, Jesus does. Why? Because Jesus is God. Listen, Jesus is not part God and part man. He is not all God and no man. He's not all man and no God. He is all God and all man. And that is wonderful. It is incomprehensible. It is is a mystery that he is God. Now, there are many religions tonight that will tell you that they revere Jesus, that they... they, Hold Jesus in high regard. But I want you to know, when you ask them, do you worship him? Oh, no, that's a different answer. Oh, no, they don't worship Jesus. Why? Uh, Because they don't believe that he is God. And that's a false prophet. That's a false religion. Uh, Only those that can confess that Jesus is born of God, uh, that he is the son of God, are born of God. But listen, uh, think about what God said to Jesus in Hebrews Chapter 1 and verse 8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. To the Son he saith, and this is, a, this is a quotation of an old psalm, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The Heavenly Father said of his Heavenly Son that thy throne is forever, and you, my Son, are God god declared him to be god he is god from the beginning he had no start there was never a time when jesus was not there will never be a time when jesus christ isn't he is god forever from everlasting to everlasting he is god when he was born he was older than his mother somebody asked jesus how old are you well i'm older than my mother and I'm as old as my father. <laughs> Listen, he is eternal God. He's eternal God. That's wonderful. And I want you to understand that when that little child came into that manger, he was a child born into that manger, but he didn't have his beginning in the manger. He was only manifested in the manger. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, write this reference down. Great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest or made known in the flesh. Write this down, 1 Peter chapter one, verse number 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in who? In God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is God. What good is it to know astronomy and know how all the heavens work and not know Jesus, the bright and morning star? What good is it to know botany and all the flowers and the trees and how the garden grows and yet not know Jesus, the sweet rose of Sharon? What good is it to know history and and, uh, all of the events of history and not know Jesus, who history is His story. What good is it to know geology and to know all of the ages of the rocks and not know the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus? What good is it to celebrate Christmas and open up gifts and not know Jesus, the greatest gift ever given. He is wonderful. Number three, I want you to see this quickly. Not only is he wonderful in how he came, but he's wonderful in in, uh, who he is. But number three, he is wonderful for what he will Do is wonderful for what he will do. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Verse 7, Of the increase of his government and peace. When he comes, the government will know peace. Peace will be here forever. Of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Upon uh, the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. And notice what he says in verse 7. He'll order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, from now on, even for ever. How will this happen? How will this happen? Notice what he said. Notice how this will happen. Verse number seven, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see this little baby, this child that was born was the son of God that was given and he was born to be king. I like what one old preacher said. He said, we didn't elect him. And we will not impeach him. (laughs) They won't be up until midnight or two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning throwing extra votes in and stealing the vote away. Let me tell you something. He won't be voted on. He's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. He is going to rule and reign. And friend, I want to tell you, he will be declared Lord, Lord, Lord to the glory of the Father. Listen, you cannot declare him Lord. You can only receive him as Lord. If you try to say, well, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, too late, too late. God's already declared him to be God and to be Lord, but you can receive him as Lord. If you'll confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If thou confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, yielding your heart to him and saying, Lord, just like the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You give your heart's reins to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am yours. Listen, if you miss this, you miss the whole meaning of Christmas. And here we are coming into this week after Thanksgiving as we build up to that day of December 25th. There's so much anticipation, so much excitement, so much joy I remember all the joy of being a little kid and and Christmas was so much fun. And I still have that little kid in me and I love it. You see the tree behind me and I've got lights on the house and my dad was here after Thanksgiving. We hung lights on a 30-foot tree in my front yard and I, I enjoy it. I love it. I love it. And I think about it when I see these lights on this tree, I think about the light of the world who hung on a tree. When we put these ornaments on this tree, I think about how we glory in the cross of Christ. Uh, when we put this, when we put this evergreen tree up, I think about how this tree was cut off and yet it lives. And Jesus was cut off and yet he lives. When we put the presence beneath it, I think about how those who come and kneel before the cross and receive the gift of eternal life. There's no greater gift in all the world. This tree speaks of Christ. And I want you to know if you miss. This, you missed the whole meaning. Everything that we do as a family in our celebration points back to this one thing, that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the king that came. Not only did he come in the cradle, but that cradle has a cross, and that cross will have a crown. And that one who was in that cradle, who hung on that cross, still has yet to come. And to establish that throne and to wear those many crowns and to be the government and to bring peace, the Prince of Peace. I heard a story years ago of a man on a train taking a cross-country trip and that man stared out the window the entire time on that trip and he kept saying, Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. And finally, somebody said, hey, why do you think everything is so wonderful? The man turned and looked at him and said, you know, I've been blind. Uh, Ever since I was a little boy, I had a high fever and I lost my eyesight and I was blind. And I just had a surgery to correct my vision. For the first time in 40 years, I can see. I had forgotten how wonderful everything is. I'd forgotten how wonderful and beautiful all these things are and they are wonderful to me. And you know, to that other person on the train, they were all ordinary. Everything out that window was just an ordinary passing scenery. They were like trees walking as one man in the New Testament said. But to that man who could freshly see, they were wonderful. And you know, when we come to this verse, these next few weeks, I'm gonna pray that God opens our spiritual eyes and we get our spiritual eyes fixed and we can go back and remind ourselves and see some of these things again for the first time and remember that this gift that was swaddled in these swaddling clothes, as we unwrap that gift and we unwrap those swaddling clothes, we get a glimpse of Jesus and we say, Oh, the wonder of it all. Hey, can I just implore you, don't lose the wonder of Jesus in this season. Don't let Christ be crowded out with all the hustle and bustle. Let's draw close to him and love him and adore him and worship him for he is wonderful. And I want you to know tonight, if you don't know him as a personal savior, right where you are, in your car, in your home, wherever you may be listening to this, you can bow your heart to him right now and confess to him that he is Lord and that you recognize that he is Lord and that he died on a cross for you and that he shed his blood for you and that he was buried and he rose again from the dead and you can trust him right now. And listen, when you receive him You receive the most wonderful gift. Why? Because he who is wonderful comes to live within you and he brings the wonder of all that he is into your life. And you can have forgiveness and peace and joy. There may be all kinds of turmoil in the world, but you can have peace in your heart because you know him who is wonderful, wonderful. It's incomprehensible. It's an unspeakable gift but we rejoice tonight that Jesus is wonderful. Father, I thank you tonight for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. In these next few weeks, as we fill all the preparation for this season and Lord, all that goes into it, I pray that we would once again, with our eyes Opened with spiritual salve that we would see afresh and anew the mystery and the wonder that God became man, born so that we could be born again. Lord, I pray you'd put that back onto our hearts in a fresh and a new way, that you are wonderful. May we meditate on it. May we dwell and pray and praise through this season. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, I'm so thankful that we had this opportunity to gather again tonight. Take some time right now and just talk about how wonderful Jesus is. Think about your traditions and what you do around the Christmas tree. Think about this season and let's make sure that Christ is preeminent, that he's in the midst of it and that we don't lose the wonder of who he is. God bless you.